0: The talk that I wanted to give today is on retrospection, and the, um, this really came about because of uh, the work that I do, and I work with a lot of clients that are experiencing change. So a lot of what I do has to do with change, changing how they do processes, changing out their technologies, reorganizing the, the company, and so on, so there's a lot of change. Change usually goes in phases, so when we introduce change, initial phase. It's really exciting. This is something new. Trying to figure out what it is. Learning a whole bunch of stuff about it. So then they get into discovery. The next phase is discovery. So now we're just trying to absorb, just trying to take it all in. What's all this gonna be? Then it transitions into a phase of impact how is this going to impact me? Okay, Now that I've kind of figured it out, now I'm trying to figure out how this impacts me. And then immediately after impact, in normal situations, and immediately after impact comes anxiety. Some level of anxiety. Some, you know, I'm starting to feel like I can't really wrap my head around it. I can't get my arms around it. This is going to affect me in a lot of different ways, and I don't really fully understand what this is going to, the effect of this is going to be. What's the true impact? And so, one of the techniques that we've used over the years to help people kind of calm their nerves down and get them into a regular pattern of, of adoption and change is retrospection. And so, remembering what you've already gone through, remembering, going back and looking and saying, look, we've, you've already learned this, you've already started to transition here, we've already had a problem here, you got through it, you survived. And so this is just another indication or another data point on what it's going to look like in the future. We're going to be able to get through this because we looked back and saw how we got through it in the past. And so today I wanted to just again have a conversation about retrospection in a religious sense. Looking back at the things, the small things, in most cases, it's really small things. It's not those massive things that actually help move the needle, but it's a whole series whoops. it's a whole series of small things. And that's why retrospection is important. A lot of times we can remember really big events, but we forget about the small things. And the aggregation or the build up those small things is really important in helping us feel more comfortable about where we are and where we're going. So this um, starts with this start starts on life's journey. So we're gonna we're gonna shift gears here, and we're gonna lo- start looking at this from a more religious standpoint. Our life's journey it starts out. Just much like the change experience that our clients have. It starts out, it's all exciting, there's all kinds of opportunities, there's a fresh start, you know, we have this whole thing in front of us. But as life goes on, you know, puzzles, problems, challenges, issues come up. This could be your religious journey, this could be your life journey. The journey that we're on today is fraught with these difficulties that we're faced with. And so, as we start to have these challenges, we come into this connection, or hopefully we come into the connection, and we come to realize how much Jesus is actually embedded in the day-to-day activities of our lives. So when we face a challenge, we face, face this puzzle, this problem, this life difficulty that we have, where's Jesus playing to this? And sometimes it's very subtle, and sometimes we don't pick up on it, but it's always there. Just like this illustration, hopefully you can see it, it's one of the coolest pictures of Jesus that I've seen in a long time, reaching down into the water to grab a hold of you and lift you out. And so, even on the small situations that we face, even those small problems that we have, when he is always there and always having his hand out, reaching for us, always reaching to pull us out, these types of memories are what we're going to talk about. It's not a one-and-done experience, though, is it? So when we have a problem, we have a life challenge, it's not one experience. It's a whole series of experiences. Life's journey is like the stock market. It goes up sometimes, and it comes down sometimes. Hopefully, it goes up more progressively than it goes down. But it does have peaks and valleys. And all along the way, though, we have that hand on our shoulder. We have that arm around us that helps walk us through that journey. So regardless of the experiences, and each of us have our own individual experiences, regardless of the difficulties that we face, we always have that arm around us. And what we want to focus on today is remembering all of the times that we had this arm around us, whether we realized it or not. So that it can help us with an appreciation for who's really in control. And it can help put us in a position where we remember when we have these difficult situations, we remember who's in control and where the power comes from. So, looking at retrospectrum from an academic standpoint, the act of retrospection is just looking back and reviewing past events or situations, especially around a person's life. And so it's uh, you know it's a big word that we like to throw around a lot, so that we can charge lots of money. But at the end of the day, it really is about looking back at those events in our lives or in our experience that help frame up or develop a framework that we can look forward from. So you sort of have to look backwards in order to look forward. And so this framework then is from the, the talk that I wanted to give this morning based on four elements. And we're going to go through and talk about each of these elements individually. But the elements simply are hope, faith, action and appreciation. And again, thinking about this from a framework standpoint, using this retrospective framework to look forward by remembering things that gave us hope, things that helped develop our faith, things that helped initiate or drive us to action, and then probably most importantly is the appreciation. Retrospection gives us a new insight into appreciation. Because when we think back, and if you think back, take a moment and think back through your life, at all of the good things that have happened to you, or even maybe not good things that have happened to you, but ended up having a silver lining, or ended up developing character, or as my father used to say, well that develops character, when my car wouldn't work, or I needed to go do yard work, or whatever it was. A lot of things in my life seemed to develop character, and so, whatever these experiences are, when we go back and remember them, it helps give us a framework then that we can look forward to as we know that those challenges and those difficulties and those life experiences are going to come down the road at us. So taking the first one and looking at hope, this is again lifting our heads and seeing the light ahead. And the light, of course, being Jesus and what he has available for us and what he wants for us. And there's a couple of texts, there's, obviously there's hundreds of texts in the Bible that could illustrate this, but there's a couple of texts that really brought this out for me. Both of them are in Deuteronomy. The first one, Deuteronomy 5.15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So what does that have to do with retrospection? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, again, thinking about this in the context of a framework, first of all, remembering that you were slaves in Egypt. Obviously, he's talking to the children of Israel at the time, but Egypt is also the metaphorical representation of the pit of sin. And when God brings us out of Egypt, just like he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he's bringing us out of that sin He's bringing us out of sin, and he's doing that, and he's, they finish the text, and this is the part that I really like. They finish the text by referencing the Sabbath, and what's the Sabbath had to do with that? The Sabbath has to do with remembering where we came from, because if you go back to the fourth commandment, the fourth commandment starts with remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It goes on to say, to explain everything that happened, everything God created, and why God sanctified the Sabbath, to remember what he created, to remember that he wants us to remember him so much. So when we think about the request to observe the Sabbath, remembering that we were brought out of sin, he's just asking us to remember him. He's asking us to remember where we came from and to remember our initial connection and constant connection to him. So giving us hope by remembering that he brought us out of sin and that he consistently and continually wants us to remember him and have that connection, that weekly connection with him. The next one is uh, just like it or very similar to it. But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to the Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. Putting this back into the frame context of Egypt being the pit of sin... God is saying here, not only did he bring the children of Israel out of, uh, out of Egypt and then he destroyed Pharaoh and destroyed the the uh, essentially the power that Egypt had over the slaves. That's what he's saying he's going to do for us. He will destroy sin and remove the power that it has over us. And so again, looking at these texts and remembering the hope that we have from Jesus. Moving on to the next one, faith. The expectation that we'll get to the light. We start with hope, and hope is just that. It's the hope of something. It's the anticipation of something. Faith is the expectation of something. So now we have, we're have we starting to develop, starting to build on hope, and we now have the expectation that we will get to the light. Now faith is confidence, in what we hope for And the assurance of what we do not see. And this is where retrospectrum really comes into play, because the hope of something, or the anticipation of something, the confidence in something you cannot see, can be built based on what you remember, based on the experiences, the life experiences that you've had, based on those connection points that you've had to the past, based on remembering the times that Jesus held out his hand to you, based on the times you remember that arm around your shoulder, that comfort that you had as you went through those life experiences. The next text, um, coming straight from uh, the book of David, not literally the book of David, but the story of David's life, David was probably the most prolific psalmist and poet when it comes to positive retrospection. If you read through the Psalms, if you read through the story of David, the poetry, it's filled with reminiscence of things God has done for him in the past. It's filled with thankfulness for the things that God has done for him. It's filled with remembering how God took care of him, how he took a refuge in the arms of Jesus and was shielded from his enemies. And so the faith, again built on these experiences, built on remembering these experiences. And they can be big experiences, they can be small experiences. The the point that I try to stress for folks is don't overlook the little things. Don't overlook the series of little things that happen, because they often are much more impactful over the course of time than the big events. When it comes to action, so we've we've started we started with hope, we have the hope of the light. We have the now we've start, we moved on to faith. Faith is the expectation that we get there, but we have to actually move our feet, right? So now we have to start the forward motion. We have to start moving, and the um, <laughs> this is uh, I struggle. I put this one in. I took it out. I put it in. I took it out. The text in Genesis, whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures, every kind on the earth. The thing that's beautiful about a rainbow is that it continues to exist today. God put the rainbow in the sky and every time that light is refracted, it creates a a rainbow every time there's you know like if you see it in a waterfall you can see it in sprinklers you can see it in a rainstorm or after a rainstorm every time the light gets refra- refracted there's a rainbow and there's an interesting um there's an interesting aspect scientific aspect about a rainbow and one of the reasons i like them so much is that every human being sees a different rainbow even if two people are standing next to each other looking at a rainbow they see a different rainbow and it has to do with the way that your eye is the angle of your eye against the refraction of light. And I know that that's just a small scientific element, but if you think about that in the connection to God, that put the rainbow there specifically as a covenant, he put a covenant in the sky, or he created that rainbow for every individual person. Every single person uniquely has a promise from God. In Romans, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. This is one that I have to remember a lot, and there's several texts in the Bible that have the similar theme, but God is simply saying, look, you're going to have, there's going to be frustration, there's going to be anger, you're going to have these events when you really want to do revenge, but that's not the right action, why don't you just give that to me, let me take care of it, let me deal with it, because you're not going to be very good at it it's not going to end well there's no situation that that ends positively so why don't you just give it to me and let me take care of it you focus on positive things i'll take care of this part again creating these these connections back to god so that when it comes to action he has the we have the bumpers or the guidelines on what actions are good and what actions are boundary in and out of uh, the right type of boundary that he's looking for. The last one, so in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets. Hopefully, is self-explanatory. You know, the Golden Rule, is probably one of the best explanations of action when it comes to how we interact with other people. It's a very simple principle. Obviously, it can prove itself difficult to execute, but it is fundamentally the entire summation of both the law and the prophets, which is not only the communications from God all the way through history, but also the the guidelines or the rules that establish God's kingdom. And it really boils down to this. Just treat people like you want to be treated. Treat God like you want to be treated. With respect, with dignity, you know, with uh, appreciation. And the last one this is a little story. So there's, uh, there's several texts here. I'm going to go through them and read them, and then we'll talk about it. This is the story of the, when um, Jesus went to Simon's house, and the, the woman, uh, depending on which gospel you read, was Mary in some gospels, and some is just referred to as a woman, anointed Jesus' feet. And so a woman in the town that lived a sinful life, Learned that Jesus was eating at a Pharisee's house, so she came there with the alabaster of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee saw this, who invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon. I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave both debts. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one that had the bigger debt. Jesus said, you judge correctly. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman I came into your house you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. She did not give me a you did not give me a kiss, but this woman for the from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured, poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you her many sins have been forgiven. As she has great love as she has shown great love, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus turned to her and said, your sins are forgiven. So let's just talk about this story. Let's take a step back in time before this specific story took place. Simon was a leper. Simon had leprosy. And if you remember anything about leprosy, at that time, it was essentially a death sentence. You had to be banned from your household and you had to go live in a colony. And there was no cure, there was no treatment for it you would live out the remainder of your lives in much discomfort. He essentially had a death sentence. Jesus healed him of leprosy. And that's one of the primary reasons that Simon invited him there was because Jesus had healed him of leprosy. This woman that they're referring to also had been saved by Jesus. She had also had a really difficult life and she had had a number of problems and troubles. Jesus also saved her. This is a perfect illustration of two people that went before God and had been saved. They had been saved from their situation that they were currently in. But where it becomes very different is when we see the level of appreciation and understanding for the situation that each of them respectively was in. The woman knew what her situation was. She fully appreciated the depth that she had been sun- that she had sunk to and how high she had been lifted. She fully appreciated that, and she gave everything she had to say thank you. Simon, on the other hand, his way of saying thank you he was appreciative too, and I think that 's an important note. His level of appreciation ended though where he, where his level of understanding for his situation ended. He didn't appreciate the level that he actually had sunk to in sin, just like we all have. He didn't have that level of appreciation. He didn't have that level of understanding. So appreciation is more than just saying thank you. Appreciation is more than just giving back. Appreciation is an under and appreciation, and understanding of where you came from, where we started, how much God has done for us. So that's why I believe appreciation is so important when it comes to retrospection. because when we think back and we remember, maybe it could be repetitive sins, it could be repetitive situations that Jesus continually pulls us out of that Jesus continually looks to us and reaches out his hand. When we individually, and everybody's at a different place, each one of us has a different, separate unique journey, but when we have an appreciation for where we are individually, that's when the level of thankfulness or the level of appreciation back to God for what he's done really starts to be uh, shown. And it could be shown just between you and God. But the point is that it comes from an understanding of where we came from. And finally, just wrapping up, when we talk about appreciation, it's not only the hand that Jesus reaches out to us, how Jesus lifts us up out of the pit of sin that we are in. It's also what he plans or wants to do for us for eternity. So not only did he save people from where they are, did he save us from where we are, did he save me from where I am right now. It's not a, It's not just right now, but it is for all eternity. Because the kingdom that he has can't be shaken. And we when we show our appreciation and we come each week and we worship God, it's a representation individually. It's a representation of us showing appreciation to God, not just to say thank you and not to put an offering in the offering plate, although that's part of the mechanics of it. As Jesus said, he really wants your heart. He really wants your heart. He wants you to remember him. He wants you to remember where you came from. He wants you to remember the times that he reached that he reached out his hand so that next time that you're faced with a difficult situation, you'll remember that he reaches out his hand and that he wants to lift us up. And finally, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have an eternal life. So this is about eternity. It's about what he's done for us right now, and it's about eternity. And there's a gap At least for me, there's a gap between where we are right now and eternity. We still have some portion of our life to live. Hopefully it's long and prosperous, but we do have a portion of our life to live. And so this conversation is about how do we take a tool that helps us navigate where we are to where we want to be. And so, again, from a framework standpoint, remembering those little steps along the way, where Jesus held our hand, put his arm around our shoulder, the framework of hope, faith, action, and appreciation. Thinking back to all of those times that he held our hand and taking away from that the hope, lifting up our eyes to seeing him, the faith, the expectation that he's going to be there and he's going to lift us up and he's going to take care of us. The action, the response that we have, and then the appreciation, the thankfulness, the understanding for how much He's done for us. This is the. Uh, this leads to the last slide, which I always like to end a talk with homework. So you should take something away, so that you have something to continue to do this. So my encouragement or my ask is that you go out, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, sometime this week. And spend a little bit of time remembering what God has done for you. And again, start with the little things. Focus on the little things. Maybe it was something that seems on the surface to be trivial. But again, those little things add up. Those little things are what make our life what it is. Big events may change a direction, may have a significant impact, but we don't have big events all day every day. We do have little things all day every day. And that's where we can see the hand of God in our everyday lives. And so the homework, again, spend a little time. Remember, remember those moments where God uh, lifted at, reached out his hand to you and lifted you up, patted you on the back, put his arm around you, held you close. Maybe it was for you. Maybe it was for somebody in your family. So with that, I will close with prayer and we should be right on schedule. Dear Lord, thank you again for a beautiful day, for the beautiful Sabbath. Thank you for the chance we have to come together. Thank you for the chance that we have to come together, not just to worship you, but to help lift each other up and to express our appreciation for what you've done for us. We love you. We thank you for sending your spirit to be with us every single day, all day, every day. And all those little things that help frame up our view of the future, a future where you are there every step of the way and where you are there, even when we have problems and we have frustrations and we have anxieties that need to be quelled. We can remember how you have always been there in the past. And that's a reflection of you living up to the promises you have for the future. Thank you, and we pray this in your name. Amen.